I am very much excited to be back here one more time. The interesting thing is every single time I think so far it has happened that when actually when we schedule my speaking this Wednesday and I check my schedule and I know and I'm free in the afternoon and right a few days after that I get a phone call, Rabbi we need you, wherever. So yeah, I literally just flew in, well, <laughs> not literally but yeah, but almost. I was driving really fast to get here in time. So, but... Whatever it is, I guess the Sutton tries to get involved. Uh, we'll see if we can step. We can That's take one step sure. ahead. Anytime you need to do that, Sutton gets involved. We, we will try to step one step ahead of the game. Uh, I was kind of glad uh, that I was given the opportunity to speak here specifically tonight. Uh, this week's parsha is one of the most. In- it's probably one of the most difficult to read, and I also find it one of the most intriguing parshas in the entire Torah. It definitely is between this Pasha's Kisavai and Pasha's Bichakoise, the two places in the Torah where, let's call them for the meantime, Hashem's punishments are described, what, obviously along with the blessings. But the blessing is something that we can read, but we still have to get from the punishments as well. Mm-hmm. And it is quite difficult, and it is quite painful. And. There are people still among us who literally have gone in their life through everything that this week's Parsha talks about. Uh, I was brought up back in Soviet Union and I was brought up quite a bit on all of the stories of Holocaust. Obviously the people who are still there, there were still a ton of people who went through the war. And even though maybe growing up we didn't hear as much about the Holocaust per se, that was kind of you know, the fact that the Jewish people were targeted specifically by the Nazis was not as explicit as it is here in the Western world. However, still the idea of just the war was still so much alive, still in the people, you still could find, if you would go, if you go, if you would go out to the woods, you could still find stuff laying around from the war. In fact, my kids all remember the stories when I told them the kids sometimes did find stuff laying around in the woods and, <coughs> right, they were quite curious about that. But when we read through these verses, through these two parshas, and specific, and this week's parsha is even more difficult because the what so-called the punishments or the curses are quite lengthy. And I think that it's absolutely important for all of us to kind of try to make sense of it all. Mm-hmm. So many times in the Torah. The Torah says, Hashem has chosen you because He loves you. Hashem has taken you out of, out of Mitzrayim because He loves you. Hashem has taken care of you for 40 years in the desert because He loves you. He has given you the most beautiful land in this world, the best, the most precious land in this world that could ever be because He loves, he loves you. you. And yet we get to one of these two passages and we read such horrible, horrible things. And yes, we do know that every now and again a parent has to punish a child for misbehaving. Mm -hmm. But that much? I mean, yes, we do hear stories sometimes in the news. You find parents who beat their children, who drop their children and and leave them in garbage cans, who do all kinds of terrible things, and and the things that makes our hair stand. I mean, there's certainly no way in the world these parents could ever be justified. Yet we read these things in the Torah, 
And it's Hashem, who is our Father, whose love to us is described in, in the Prophets to be even more than any person can ever lack their child. Mm-hmm. I mean, yet we see these things, these absolutely, absolutely horrible things that the Torah promises. It says, not just says this may happen, the Torah says this will happen. You know, I've heard that story, perhaps some of you, I mean, most of you have heard the story. Um, one of the rabbis who had gone through the war, and his, uh, his chassidim, his followers, used to come to him for a blessing. And when he was at the end of his life, and they knew his days were numbered, his people came to him and they asked him, they said, Rabbi, when you're not around, where do we go for a blessing? Where do we go for a blessing? And he said to them, you know what, when you go to the shul and you come there in the morning and you start davening shachras and you put your tefillin on and you see a person in the room who has a number on his hand and he's still putting on tefillin, you can go to your tefillin. How many people have lost their faith because of what they've gone through? Can we possibly judge these people? Never. No. Never. We have not even the slightest iota of, of, of what these people have gone through. The terrible things that they've witnessed, they experienced, people have lost families, extended families, friends. Unimaginable things. However, we still do know that the Torah does expect us to go through, no matter how difficult the situation in our life may be, and yet remain close to Hashem. Many people have had questions about Holocaust specifically. And other things have happened to our people throughout the centuries. And they said because of these questions, we just can't. We can't rationalize what happened. We can't, we can't believe that there could be such a God in this world that could do something like this to his people. I had an interesting statement once. A woman who had gone through the Holocaust and remained connected to Hashem, remain faithful. She said, those who believe don't have questions. Those who don't believe don't have answers. So it is absolutely important for us to go through this, to go through this passion and to make sense of it. We have to understand in order that we should connect. God forbid anybody should ever experience anything of that sort, anything of that sort. But the fact is that challenges do come up in our life. Troubles occasionally also come our way. And there's every now and again, I mean, there's there's things that just recently happened that within the the last few months what happened in Israel, the three boys, they were abducted and then they were shot. And so many Jewish people were praying for these boys Mm -hmm. just to find out that they were murdered, pretty much murdered on the spot, as far as I know. Uh, a four-year-old child was killed during, uh, during the bombing. You look, at the, you look at the faces of the photographs of the soldiers that lost their lives. I mean, most of these guys, they're kids. 18, 19, 20, you look at them, 21, 22, look, are, these boys are in their prime. These are the boys who had their entire lives ahead of them. I don't think for family it's any easier to lose 
a 22-year-old child versus a 4-year-old child? It's harder. <coughs> Possibly. So I think we're going to embark on this journey and we're going to try to, we're going to try to understand what is actually going on. Now, in today's day and age, it has become very difficult to criticize anyone. The moment you hear, it, this comes up on the news all the time, the moment anybody is criticized, well, it's like this. If you criticize anybody, or especially a political uh, candidate or something, and if he's of anybody a minority, you're a racist. <laughs> right? Absolutely. Okay. Besides the president, president forgive me, lady. Forgive me, ladies. I don't want to. I don't. I don't I'm not wearing my bulletproof vest. I don't want to get shot. But I'd say like this: you, somebody gets up, criticizes a woman for something, then he's a male chauvinist. Uh, somebody criticizes uh, today. They say words against people who behave immorally. You're a hater. Right? There's no way today's day and age you can actually say something, anything of criticism, no matter what, if it has value or not. But the fact is, you're going to be called something. Now, the reason for that is very simple, obviously, simple, obviously because when people have nothing to say, then they'll just call your name, because then that becomes anything you say is worthless. However, it seems that the world still has a consensus. There's one group of people still okay criticize. Guess who? Jews. That's right. <laughs> All of us put together. And also, mind you, not only criticize, it's okay. It's also okay to make up all kinds of stuff about us and say All the time. Right? That seems still not only fine, but it seems to be quite encouraged as well. So, even though, as far as I know, I have never been known to be politically correct. <laughs> but, let's try to stick to political correctness at least tonight, and we'll stick to the Jews. Now, the fact is that, you know, the nations of the world constantly come up with all kinds of things about us. Mm -hmm. No matter what, no matter how, we definitely held somehow to this a ridiculously high standard by the, wall, by the world. But it's not really that. I mean, obviously, what they do is they make things up out of the hatred. But we still see that we see this in the Torah. The Torah certainly holds us to a higher regard than everybody else. The things that everybody else can get away with just like that we are going. We could be held accountable. We probably will be held accountable for. So let's go on to this parsha. The Rambam, Maimonides, has a very, very interesting. Uh, not specifically speaking about this parsha, but he's discussing certain concept in uh, in the set of laws which is called the Yad Chazaka, um, what the Rambam wrote. In one place, he deals with the laws of tshuva, quite right. It's something that's important. It's always important, but especially now we're coming to Rosh Hashanah. When he deals with the laws of tshuva, the Rambam discusses the concept of, of reward and punishment, mm -hmm. and the Rambam explains that the actual reward that we get, not in this world in general, the reward that a Jewish person gets for keeping Torah and for keeping mitzvahs is his place in the world to come. This is our reward. What is the punishment? The punishment is when we lose our place in the world to come. Now you can ask me, big deal. Alright, so I couldn't get a front row seat at the Yankees or whatever that is, right? 
I guess I can give you an example. Let's say a person goes out and, you know, he wants to buy a lottery ticket. And it's one of those, obviously, nobody, when it's $10 million, nobody cares, nobody wants $10 million. When it's up to $500 million, everybody rushes out <laughs> to buy a ticket. Right? Nobody wants $10 <laughs> So somehow, yeah, $10 million is not really worth it. $500, I mean, chances are so much higher that you're not going to get it, but that's when we rush out and we'll buy the tickets. Fine. So this one guy, they finally decided, no, he never played lottery. Today I'm going to go play the lottery. This is going out. He got, uh, all of a sudden, he wanted to go. And uh, all of a sudden, there's a, he sees like some kind of a favorite movie on TV. He's seen it 15,000 times, but he wants it and wants to watch it anyway. So he stops for a few seconds. It's his favorite scene. So he watches it and he finally says, okay, I'll go. Then again, he starts, then he gets caught up in something else, some kind of silly thing. <coughs> then finally, he gets out of the house. He goes to the gas station. And then there's a guy in front of him. And then he gets in the lawn. The guy gets a ticket. He sees the number, and he gets a ticket, and he gets his number. And then all of a sudden, the person who was in front of him, at the end of the day, he wins the lottery. Now, it's one thing if you don't go, you don't care, you stay home, fine. But the fact is, the guy got not gotten caught up in watching his silly movie that he has seen already, who knows how many times. He could have been that guy getting that ticket. Can you imagine the devastation of that person? I mean, this really, I, I'm an idiot. <laughs> could, could you, I mean, is there any other word to say? I mean, what, did I have to stand there and watch the silly movie that I've seen already how many, 100, 150 times? I wanted to go, and I, but I didn't go. And if not, and if I didn't get stuck, I would have gone. Can you, I mean, can we picture the devastation? I mean, the $500 million. And what would this guy give right now to get, to, to move the time back? and to not get stuck in that movie and to get there in time and to get that ticket. I mean, would this guy be willing to put up with some severe physical punishment? Probably. (laughs) 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 So the fact is that the Rambam says, Maimonides says, that our loss of the world to come is the biggest punishment that a person can get because the ability to be in that closeness to Hashem, to Shechina, the pleasure and the joy is so immense. It is absolutely indescribable in words. What a person has ever experienced, can you imagine, I guess, the only thing that we could probably compare it to is that a person is absolutely, truly head and heels in love. Experiencing that moment is probably what we could, in this world of least picture, is the biggest pleasure that a person can have. And all of a sudden, when that feeling gets taken away, that person becomes the most devastated person in the world. That's why we see what happens, all the, the novels, the romance novels that are written, and it's what people do, and all of a sudden, they can't, the, the, their, that that person that they're in love with is taken away, or something happens, and these people go crazy, absolutely, become absolutely uncontrollable. So the Rambam says that our ultimate punishment, the real punishment that we get in this world, is our loss of the world to come. The Rama moves on, and then he asks a very simple question, which all of you should be asking me right now. Who said Shema this morning? Who, sh- who said Shema yesterday? How many times? I think I Good. said it yesterday. Okay, how about the day before? Every day. For how many years? For quite a few. Yeah. Okay, what does the Shema say? If you will listen to me, yeah. I will give you 
food to eat. I will yeah. give you the rain in time. I will take care of your animals, right? <clears throat> if you don't listen to me, I exactly. will send you all kinds of bad things. So the Ramam says, very simple question. We say this every single day. Come on. What does the Torah tell us? Yeah. If you listen to me, I'll give you food. I'll give you sustenance. I'll give you money. I'll give you health. I'll give you peace. That's what we're reading in this week's parasha. If you don't listen to me, not good. Not good. No health. No peace. No rain. No good rain. Katrina, maybe. <laughs> yep. No. So if the Rambam goes and explain, and he, he goes through a whole chapter explaining, goes through a whole chapter explaining to us that our reward is the world to come, and our punishment is the loss of the world to come. So then, why does the Torah promise us? Rewards and a punishment in physical terms. Good question. You ever thought about that, by the way? Sure. What? Do, you have, do you have an answer? No. All right, let's see. We'll, 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 we'll go with the Rabbi Menzo for the meantime. So I believe I probably have brought this up in the previous times when I spoke. Let's imagine the situation. A person comes into this world, grows up, gets married, it's a family. Got bills to pay. Right? Happens occasionally. At least to some of us. Right? Yeah. What do you gotta do? Well, I, I, this I'm pretty sure I mentioned before in the very often I'm, I'm on the road at six o'clock in the morning. Tell you what, if I'm on ninety five before before six, I get through. After six I'm in traffic. There's a big road ninety five. And if anywhere else you get New Jersey Turnpike place is packed. How many people are rushing out to work? By the way, it's an interesting thing. I remember back in the, when I was growing up in Russia, they had this big, big campaigns fighting against people not wanting to work. I don't know why people want to work over there anyway. Because you know, I, I remember one uh, this comedy person said, you know, over there, let's say you're putting together a bicycle, right? So if you do a good job putting together a bicycle, you get your 120 rubles. You do a bad job, you get 120 rubles. You do nothing, you still get 120 rubles. So what do you want from the court? What do you want from the guy? Right? So what I always say like this, it's very simple to solve the problem, this problem of people not wanting to work. Just give them a mortgage. That's it. They'll run, they'll run to work. They'll run anywhere. Give them a couple of, you know, give them a loan on the car. That's it. I mean, you, whatever, eat till 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning, go overnight, this doesn't matter, I'll be out there. So, the fact is that we got bills today, right? So the person gets up early in the morning, and he works all day, and who knows, he has to put up with the boss and the clients and, and, and the other co-workers and whatnot, and sit in traffic for an hour and a half there, an hour and a half back, comes home, wiped out, exhausted, and then as soon as he walks in home, the wife meets him there, okay, take out the garbage, right? That's your hello. And, uh, <laughs> and then, Best line what, the dinner, what about the dishes, and what about this, and then and I, I asked you how many million times, I asked everybody, we need a new couch, you know, comes to, finally comes to one day Shabbos he has, you know, and then depending where you're not, I mean, you know, three, four, five hours, whatever that may be, you know, and then finally come home, well, you eat your meal, and you should want to get some sleep, at least, you know. And now the person goes through, it's 120, finally comes up, and then and he's greeted by the angels or whatever it is, and the first thing they ask him, what? Did you learn Torah? Set aside time for Torah. Huh? 
And the guy looks at him and says, and that's after being fed up for 120 years between the work, the boss, the, the wife, and the, and the neighbors, and everything else, and the tribe. And finally, I could just lose it and says, oh, what? Are you crazy? Do you have any idea what I had to do with taking kids to the doctor and taking the dog to the vet? Whatever, let's leave that out. Right? But between all the, between all the driving and the work and the kids and the wife, are you, are you out of your mind? No? Does that sound realistic? It's pretty realistic, no? Yeah. People are busy. Take care of your families, take care of children. Work. So the Rambam says like this. And what happens to that person at the end? He's got nothing to show for himself. And Hashem says, I put into this world for your spiritual growth, for connection, for keeping mitzvahs, for learning Torah. That's what I put you in here for. And you spend your 120 years doing whatever it is you did, but the fact that the guy says, well, what did you want from me? So Hashem says, I'd like you to take a look at this week's parasha. I'll tell you what I said. If you listen to me, if Torah becomes your priority, and if the mitzvahs become your priority, you know what I'll do? I'll make sure that you don't have to work 12 hours a day and sit mound and a half between traffic. I'll make sure your kids don't get sick. I'll make sure your wife smiles when you come home. <clears throat> Maybe she'll even throw the garbage out every now and again. And in-laws will move to Florida. <laughs> I'll make sure that you're healthy. I'll make sure that you're well. I'll make sure that you'll have plenty of money to live on. I mean, there's sometimes people work 12 hours a day, and sometimes people work two hours a day and make the same amount of money. Even if they don't win the lottery. Hashem says, if you, if that is your priority, if this is what you want in life, if this is your focus, and you strive for that, the moment you have free, you turn to me. Whatever, that, whatever level you're on, whatever you're capable of. Some people, are, some people can open up Chumash, some people can say some Tehillim, some people can just dive in from their heart. This is what they can do. You know, there's a story that's, that's mentioned in, uh, uh, it's called Sefer Hasidim. Sefer Hasidim, it's not, not the Hasidim that we know. Sefer Hasidim comes from, uh, from the time of the Rishonim. Uh, this is the time of Rashi and Rambam. So, uh, there's a story that mentioned in that book, and uh, the story is like this. That a certain shepherd, that all he did, he spent his entire life watching sheep. And he was a lady, he didn't know how to daven. So, but he wanted to daven to Hashem. And he wanted to do something, but... Obviously, he didn't have any time. So, as he was sitting there watching the sheep, he would always pray and say, Hashem, you know what? I want to give you, I would give you everything, I just don't have anything. But you know what I would do? If you had a sheep, I would wash it for free. Like, I wouldn't charge you for it. Like, this is the only thing that I could give you. And the story goes out to say that a certain rabbi was passing by, and he heard him, pray, he heard him saying that. And he told him, that's not the way to that there's a way properly dominating, which is true. And he taught him how to dominate properly. That, ra- that rabbi had gone on his way, and the shepherd wanted to now dominate the way that he learned how to, but he forgot. So now, he didn't know what to do, because the rabbi told him to pray the way that he did before was not right. right. The new way, he forgot. And he stuck, he didn't do anything. So the rabbi went to sleep that night, and he got in the dream. And Hashem came to him in the dream and he said, Go back and tell that shepherd they should start praying the way that he did before. 
because that prayer was so dear to Hashem. It was so dear to me because it was came from the bottom of his heart. Mm-hmm. More dear than <coughs> so much more that's out there. As if you don't go, I don't want to finish the sentence. What would happen to you? That doesn't mean that all of us all of a sudden have to stop stop davening the shmoneh and start saying Hashem Hashem, I'll watch your sheep for free. <laughs> like I said, to everyone to their level, but whatever whatever level that we're on, the moment that we have, we turn to Hashem. And Hashem says, you know what? I see the moment, and you not only that moment, but we fight with ourselves sometimes. We're too tired. We want to go to sleep, we want to relax, and say, no, just another minute, another 30 seconds. And Hashem says, you know what? I see how much you want to be close to me. You know what? From now on, you don't have to work 12 or 12 hours a day. You'll work 8 hours and make the same amount of money. And now that you're working 8 hours, you're not going to hit rush hour traffic, so you'll come home in half an hour, start an hour and a half. Can I, can I add to what you're saying? Absolutely. Uh, I think that not only are you absolutely correct, but I would add that some people get caught up in thinking they have to work on Shabbos to make the, the money they need to pay their bills and do this absolutely. and that. And in reality, uh, any money they earn on Shabbos is going to be taken away by God one way or the other. One way or another, right. I used to think I had to work on Shabbos, mm-hmm. and I found out I don't. I can do just as well without it. That's true. Exactly. And... Uh, well, I, so many people have the same experiences and it's just amazing how people make that decision and see that nothing changes in their life. I mean, the Shabbos is Shabbos. But we take it even one step further. Now, if we go through this week's parasha, mm-hmm. and if we really pay attention to what it says, then you clearly see that it start, doesn't start out with very harsh things in the beginning. Right. It starts out with a little bit milder. Let's, let's still call them punishments for a little bit. Then you'll see why I'm saying that. Because Hashem says, you know what? If you're living a good life, and you have the ability to learn, you have the ability to do mitzvahs, you have the ability to serve me properly, but you don't, I'm going to start taking that away from you little by little. Mm-hmm. Now, you used to make your money in four hours a day. Now you're going to have to work eight hours to make the same money. And you are going to get stuck in rush hour traffic. And maybe something's going to happen in the family that's going to, take your, that's going to consume your attention and it's going to keep you away. You're not going to be able to do things anymore that you could do and you didn't do. Mm-hmm. And then Hashem goes on to say that if you don't get the point now, you still don't get it, make things a little bit more difficult for you. You're going to have to work longer hours. And your fruits of your labor won't be a success. You won't be as successful. You won't be able to reap the fruit of your labor as much as you used to. You have to work even more. More things. More things are going to be more difficult. You have to have a beautiful, nice washing machine and the dryer and the dishwasher. You're going to do it all by hand now. It's going to take more time. Your wife's going to be more mad at you. And if you still don't get the point, well, some sicknesses may come into this world and come onto you. And if you still don't get the point. You know what can happen? The goyim will come. Mm-hmm. They'll make decrees against you. That you are no longer allowed to keep the Torah. Mm. And our people have experienced it quite a few times throughout the centuries, through the history of our nation. <coughs> the Torah says at any moment in time when you realize that what's been going on with you is 
the results of our poor choices. Hashem is going to just about momentarily can return everything and send it in the opposite direction. You can get your good life just as quickly as you lost it and the other way around. Now, I said something that's just now, which is a little bit different from what I was saying before. And now I'm going to point it out to you. Throughout the evening tonight, I've been saying the word punishment. Well, I'd like to actually take that somewhat back and make a bold statement. And the statement would be like this. It's not really that Hashem is going to punish us. Hashem has created world, this world, that functions according to a certain order. Now, we all know what gravity is. We all know what friction is. We all know what different laws of physics and chemistry and all other things, they're all, they're all there. However, there's also the laws of spirituality, which we don't see necessarily, we can't necessarily touch them with our hands or analyze them with all kinds of equipment. But the Torah teaches us what they are. And Hashem says that what's going to happen is that if we follow the laws, if we stay, if we, if we listen to the Torah, then according to those laws, our lives are going to gradually improve and they're going to be more fit for us to be even more spiritual, even closer to Hashem. But if we don't follow the rules, what happens if you buy an electronic gadget and you decide, I don't need the instructions, I know it all myself? Well, chances are it's not going to work very long. And you're certainly not going to be able to get the benefit out of it that you wanted, but on the top of that, it's probably going to break. So the same thing the Torah says, if you don't follow my laws, you're going to be breaking the world. And if that's the case, it's not that Hashem is giving us rewards or punishment. We're doing it all to ourselves. What I wanted to bring out tonight from understanding this week's parasha is that this is the key. This is the key to our lives. Because there's only one power that we have that no one can ever take away from us. And that is a power of choice. Yes, it is true that there are situations where our choice is taken away from us. But we're not going to be held accountable for that. We're only held accountable for the things where we do have a choice and either we make a good choice or we make a bad choice. <coughs> Hashem wrote in the Torah this week's parasha not to tell us that He's going to punish us. This is our question. How can a father that loves his child so much punish him so harshly? Well, my answer to you is Hashem is not going to punish us. We're going to do it all to ourselves. Hashem is warning us that I'm putting you into this world and this is how the world works. If you choose to go the good way, that this is going to be your result. If you choose to go the bad way, then this is going to be your result. If you want my help, I'm here for you. And to prove my words, the following Shabbos, the Pasha that we're going to be reading there, it actually says it explicitly. Hashem says to us, I have put before you good and the bad. Choose good. Life and death. death. Choose life. life. 
Choose. Hashem is telling us. Choose life. It's there. It's there for you. Choose life. It's up to you guys. It's up to us. We can all do it. We make good choices, good results. Poor choices, the results are also there. Yes, sir? But you, you see people who are so good and so devoted and beautiful <coughs> people, and then they get a series of serious problems. So are we asking you questions, the, the, the question that's been asked already probably for thousands of years, why do good things happen to bad people? <laughs> and there's quite a bit, there are certain, right, so there's, there's definitely, we can go through the numbers of questions, numbers of answers, I'm sorry, to that question. Like I said, but like I said before, every person is obviously expected to make a choice based on who they are. Um, ultimately, what the result is, is not up to us. Hashem has His way of making the results happen the way that is fit for in, we have to take into account the, abs, the infinite amount of things for the for certain results to occur Chavis uh, is one of the most well known what's called Musa's farm the farm the the works on the on, on the Jewish etiquette he says like this that the, the three things that a person can do is I can make a decision to attempt something. I can confirm that decision in my head to decide, yes, I am doing that. And I can actually try to do it. But the final result is not in our hands. What's going to actually happen is completely out of our hands. What we can try to do, and what we can decide to do, is our choice. <coughs> How Hashem is going to bring it about, we have absolutely no clue. I mean, even the story that's just happened recently with the three boys, now, once again, I'm not saying that that's exactly what happened. I certainly don't know. But people have mentioned the fact that at some point in time, the soldier had come onto, a, uh, I believe, a tunnel where they found, uh, where they found uh, the, Israeli the Israeli uniforms, um, explosives, and things of that sort. And they found out that massive terror attacks were being planned for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. That's absolutely fact. Right. In, in Eretz Israel. Had it not been for those three boys being abducted and murdered, they would have never found it. Who knows how many more lives would have been lost. Now, the fact, I know that's a fact. I'm just saying I don't know if, the two, if that's exactly the connection between the things. Po most likely, possibly, it certainly makes sense. Whether it is or not, I certainly can tell you. Yes, sir. We can't know Hashem's plan. All we can do is love Hashem and do this with what we've got. <coughs> You're absolutely right. It's fair. But I'm just saying where you're saying, okay, this is the way the world works, and if you follow the rules, then you get your reward, and it's right. not that simple. It's not the reward, right? That, that again, okay, so once again, once again, what I'm saying is once again, right? What I'm saying is once again, there's no way for us to determine what actually happens and why to any particular person. Each person is held accountable according to who they are. Hashem takes its accounts, their thoughts, possibly feelings, there are things that we don't know what effect that may be. <clears throat> and at the same time, there's such a thing as a challenge being put in front of us. Because a challenge is like um, a person who's training for to be an athlete or to be a, or, or to be a soldier. They're being, being put through very challenging, very challenging obstacle courses. Right, 
The reason for that is not to see who can do it faster. The reason for the obstacle course is, is to actually make that person fit to be who they want to be. The challenges are there no matter what challenge that is. We have challenges, personal challenges, challenging our relationships, challenging with our children, our parents, our friends, workers, and so on. These are challenges that are put in, into our lives for us to be able to overcome them and become stronger and then be able to share that strength with the rest of the world, however that may be. Does that make sense? <coughs> yes? I don't remember who said it, but I remember a rabbi was talking to the rabbi about the same question. And they were basically saying a couple of different things. Number one, that person that has been so good and so righteous, if you ask that person how they felt about the challenge, that they would probably say it was for the good. Okay? Like the father that was of the one of the boys that was killed. He said, We asked him to we asked for him to be them to be found and healthy. But that wasn't the that wasn't the time for now. But we accepted it because that's the way Hashem wanted it for whatever reason. The other thing that I was thinking about is that yes there's, there's it's a challenge, but the way Hashem puts it to us is that it's not something that we can't handle. Correct. Okay. So if it's something that we can handle, but sometimes people don't realize it and they don't they don't take their um, their abilities, they take their abilities for granted and they don't realize that they, that those are, those abilities are there. So they go and they they don't do it. It's not that Hashem has done something really horrible to you. It's that. You, it's the way you take it, and you perceive it as what it was coming. So yes, it, 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 it like you get cancer, heaven forbid. But your Hashem knows that you can handle it. Okay. The but truth you is, think you can handle it or not is another story. The, the, tru- the truth is, the truth, the truth, the truth is what you just mentioned is that it's a, it's one of the golden rules in life that the way that the way that we experience things is really whether any experience whether we uh, it it comes to us as a uh, it becomes a uh, a good experience or bad is really up to the meaning that we that we put behind that event. And an example that I would give to a person is, for example, let's say somebody's walking on the street and somebody runs and just tackles them to the ground, and your natural reaction on the beach is to, to get up, jump, and get into a fight, start beating that person, and then all of a sudden you get up and you see this huge cinder block in that same spot where you were standing and all of a sudden you realize that person just saved your life. So you could think of it as somebody who's hitting you and being nasty and all of a sudden you realize that the person actually had saved your life. The same thing is true for just about every single thing that happens to us. So, you guys go ahead. Uh, I don't know how you can relate that to your whole family being destroyed by uh, I can't. I I, I I certainly can't. But the other other thing, another... uh, and honorable is the fact that some of these punishments are not because of anything that individuals did, but the generations, right? So there could have been all the, many of the people that were destroyed. Right, by we're, we're whatever, by correct. They were correct. I mean, there's, there, there, there are quite a, there are quite a few answers really to that question. I'm trying to stay quite. I'm trying to stay general. Simply, just just understand the concept that there's so much behind the scenes which Hashem understands that we don't. Um, but the really. The, the ultimate point that I was trying to bring out that for all of us what we understand from this week's parasha is that ultimately 
what is being asked of us is to make the choice. Now, it's exactly two weeks before Rosh Hashanah. Mm-hmm. And Rosh Hashanah is, we know, the first day of the month of Tishrei. Um, I'm sure you all know. If we count the days of creation, what day was Rosh Hashanah? The... Why Rosh Hashanah, which is the first of Tishri, which one of this, one of the, which one of the days of creation? Six. Correct, right? That was the sixth day, right? which we know the first day of creation was twenty fifth of Elul, and Rosh Hashanah, which is the first of Tishri, was the sixth day, the day before Shabbos. Now, so why do we call it that's the Rosh Hashanah? Why not the first day of Rosh Hashanah? That's number one question. And the question number two is, in the davening itself, when we pray on Rosh Hashanah, we say, today is the day of creation of the world, remembrance of the first day. So how do we say the first nobody day? Else, nobody else was day. around the first six days. Man was around on the sixth day, so it's like everything revolves around man, and everything revolves around, uh, it's kind of like, you know, if, if the tree falls in the woods, anybody hear it, uh, nobody's there. So here, man is first appearing on the scene, so to speak, so in that case it's the first day true but what so why not the sun and the moon why not the stones and the grass I mean what the first fact is the factually the first day was the 25th of L you're getting on to something but I'm just trying to well where we we uh, if you look at the liturgy we crown Hashem as king of the universe so it's not like the uh, grass and the sun and the moon is crowning Hashem as king of the universe we, his subjects, crown him king of the universe. So why should that? Why should that be the determining point that 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 because of that that should be called the first day? <laughs> Sounds. Well, I mean, you're you're certainly going the right direction. Absolutely. Let me just let me just finish up because <clears throat> I think the pizza we're running out of pizza, so everybody's got. I want to go home, <clears throat> and the ice cream is melting. Um, I, I will make the point. I'm going to try to make the point quickly. Uh, what Abruvin is saying basically is because the six days are day of creation of the man, and that's why we call it the first day, which is absolutely true. But my question is why? Why should that be the determining point? <coughs> so the answer for that is the entire world was created for us, for people. The world was not created for um, the Grand Canyon, for Niagara Falls. It was not created for beautiful scenery, the trees, the butterflies, the birds, and the sun and the moon. The world was created for us. That what you were saying is that we should serve Hashem. A human being, a man, being obviously a human being, should serve Hashem. That was the person of creation in the world. Everything else in the world was only created in order to facilitate that. Now, on the sixth day is when the man was created, and therefore that's considered to be, that is the day of the creation. Because before that it was only a preparation. <coughs> so since we are ultimately celebrating the day, our birth, all of our birthday. There's no candles on the birthday cakes, but we do celebrate with a shayfar, some music at least there. Right. <clears throat> but the ultimately, the ultimate reason, the ultimate factor that makes us so much more special is this one particular thing, that we are able to make decisions and we are able to make choices there's nothing else what sets us aside from everything else in this universe as that we 
to choose. We have the power of choice. We have the freedom of choice. This is what we have. No one and nothing else has been given that power and that privilege. The Gemara, the Talmud, and the tractate Megillah says that Ezra HaSefer, and the local dialect would be called Ezra the scribe, had made certain decrees. And one of the decrees was, one of the things that he established is that this week's parasha should always be read, should always be read very close to Rosh Hashanah. Parasha B'chukoyse has to be read right before Shavuos. We'll leave that aside for now. But this week's parsha has to be here before Rosh Hashanah. So the Gemara asks why. And the Gemara answers that in order, the Gemara's answer is in order that the, the year with all of its curses should stop. Well, what does that mean? Just because you show up to Shul or maybe not show up to Shul and listen to Baikoria who's going to fly through the, ver- through, the, through the psukim, through the verses at twice the speed, half the, half the voice, half the volume of his voice, all of a sudden all the curses are going to disappear. I don't think things work that way. Certainly not in our religion. The reason is that when we're going to go through this parasha, and we're going to analyze it, and we're going to understand it, and this way that the Rambam Maimonides has taught us, the fact that, that if we make the right choices, Hashem will make this world for us in a way that we can serve Him better, and we can get our world to come. And if we make poor choices, and we try to run away from it, then chas v'shalom, it could happen the opposite. Coming into Rosh Hashanah, we are being judged by Hashem to this, basically this one particular, on this particular point. What choices are we now ready to make? What we have made, we have made. We are given the month of Elul, we are given 10 days between Hashanah Yom Kippur, to understand, to search, have we made poor choices? And if we did, why? And how can we change that? Now, there's a, a whole separate discussion of actually how we can find, not only find out, but how we can help ourselves make better choices in life. And that's definitely not for Dr. Schleider, he said, pizza's gone. And I know, uh, I was told that I'm coming back in a few, a uh, couple of months, so maybe we'll pick it up then. And that topic happens to be fits in just about every parasha because I personally believe that the entire Torah practically is just about that. How to understand how to make the right choices in life. I thank you all for coming once again. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed it. Thank you. Loved it. Yeah. Loved it.